Good morning and welcome to Dr. Matt DeDuro podcast. I have a special guest today. His name is Dr. Matt Dunn. Uh, I've known Dr. Dunn for about 12 years now and uh, very excited. I, was, I met him while I was uh, a functional, uh, functional director at Life University and uh, Dr. Dunn was a student. He was in charge of one of the big chiropractic biophysics clubs. You were the president and I helped with um, putting a lot of that stuff together with you. So we got to travel all around and meet some great other doctors. And now Dr. Dunn uh, is, you moved out to Seattle for the last few years. Sure, I practice in, uh, I practice for Atlanta for, in, for about nine years, um, mostly treating herniated discs and peripheral neuropathy due to diabetes. Uh, then I also went to nursing school, uh, became a registered nurse, and I'm completing my graduate nursing degree um, as a nurse practitioner. So I've been able to work on the chiropractic side as well as the medical side. And certainly on the medical side, we see diabetes constantly. Exactly. And that brings us to our topic today and one of the reasons why we wanted you to be our inaugural guest. And you probably know more about diabetic and peripheral neuropathy than anybody in Mexico, I would say. Right, right. <laughs> so, and he's down there for a year, which is pretty cool. So. Yeah, I'm living down in Mexico. We're working on getting some clinics set up down here. Uh, I've applied for my licensure actually as a medical physician here in Mexico um, because of the fact that I'm a nurse in the United States. So, um, we're going to, diabetes is huge in Mexico um, for a lot of reasons that we'll talk about probably. Awesome. So, you know, what is diabetes exactly? Well, the simple definition of diabetes is it's chronic hyperglycemia, meaning your, your blood sugar is chronically high, and that causes a whole host of, of problems in the body. Um, in terms of diabetes, there's, there's two main types. There's type 1 and type 2. Uh, type 2 is about 5 to 10% of all cases, and that's when your body is not making insulin. So you have a genetic abnormality that causes uh, autoimmune destruction of the beta cells in the pancreas, which actually make insulin. So that's something that folks will typically get diagnosed with fairly early on in life, and it can be effectively managed with, with medications and things like that. But again, that's only five, for five to 10% of cases. The rest are type two diabetes, and that is where the body is making insulin, but you're not able to use it because your cells have become less sensitive to the insulin. They basically become burned out and that's called insulin resistance. Um, and there's a lot of different causes for type two diabetes. Um, there's a whole host of causes, but the only one that's really worth talking about is obesity and lack of physical exercise. Um, that type two diabetes is a, a lifestyle disease first and foremost. Uh, that's what we see with our patients. So the, the big things that we're gonna see it with type two diabetes, you know, with patients is type two diabetes coming into our offices. Yes. And now, you know, the other new category is type three diabetes, which, you know, the early dementia and Alzheimer's, and it's all related to, again, lifestyle and eating. And, um, you know, we can, we can see that 5.7, the A1C mark is really the, the cutoff point. So below 5.7 on that A1C, which is a, part of a blood test marker that you can look at is considered normal. Anything above it uh, would be uh, deemed uh, diabetic. So uh, I'm very familiar with it. My wife's been a diabetic for, uh, 
18 years and uh, 16 years on an insulin pump. And um, she is very, you have to be very, very detailed and you have to be on top of it. She tests her blood six to eight times a day. Um, and very, very lucky to keep that. Diabetes is, is very, very manageable, um, you know, given the right, the right circumstances and given the, the, the patient's uh, ability and willingness to participate in the process and self-manage their, their care. Um, but I should go into a couple things about diabetes. Uh, so the, usually the first symptoms that people are going to notice is we call them like the big three, the big, the three P's. Uh, it's polydipsia, polyphagia, and polyuria. And basically what that means is polydipsia is you're thirsty a lot. And that's the classic thing that we'll see with diabetics is they're constantly feeling like they need to drink water. And then again, again polyuria, they have to urinate a lot because they're drinking so much water. Um, and then they're hungry a lot. So that's due to the, the way that the body's trying to break down all of this uh, excess sugar in the blood is by pushing it through the kidneys and excreting it as urine. Um, some of the other early signs that people will see is chronic fatigue. They just feel like they're always tired, can't get enough sleep. Um, vision problems is a, you know, starting to get blurry vision is a real common early sign because of the damage that the high blood sugar does to the very small blood vessels in the eyes. And then also another one that we'll see, especially with women is recurrent infections. Um, so just, uh, a, a wound that won't heal or bacterial infections, vaginal infections, things like that, uh, because bacteria just feeds on that, that high sugar. And so um, those are the things that people will typically notice first. When they go to their doctor, there's two main tests that we're gonna look at. Um, the first is called a glucose tolerance test or oral glucose tolerance test. And basically what happens is we're gonna give the patient a standard dosage of sugar, so say 50 grams or 100 grams of sugar, and then we're gonna wait two hours and we're gonna test their blood and see how much of that sugar has been cleared. So if the, norm, if the data says that a normal person should clear this much sugar, but they're not clearing anywhere near that, then that's a, that's a person that's at risk for diabetes. Then the next test we do is called a hemoglobin A1C test. And what that's looking for, uh, basically when the, the body utilizes, utilizes sugar, it, it becomes glycosylated hemoglobin and that floats around in your blood. So there's a, a normal scale that we look at. And so around, you said 5.7 and that's a more exact figure. For most people, I just say around six. If you're six or below, you're in a safe range. When you start getting above six, you're at risk for diabetes. Um, I've seen folks come into my office as high as 13, 14 while drinking a soda. And it's, you know, those, those folks are very difficult to manage and they're, they're at high risk for um, amputations and all sorts of, of other types of risk factors. One of the things that we really try to teach the patients as well and uh, is, is understanding the, the viscosity of the blood as well. Um, a normal patient with, with normal ranged blood sugar, the viscosity is closer to, of the blood is closer to water, the thickness. And when the blood sugar spikes or gets higher, it, it almost gets more like a motor oil type of uh, thickness. Yeah, or like, a, like a syrup, you know. Syrupy. And that, that thicker blood has a tough time pumping through the smaller capillaries of the, the hands, the fingers, the toes, the eyes. And that's why diabetics are much more prone to, you know, losing their vision or blindness or the amputations. And yeah, sure. uh, we know. There's over 86,000 amputations per year. 
due to complications of living with neuropathy and diabetes. And that was the other thing I was gonna chat about. I mean, a lot of the things that we see with these patients, the early stages is, this is a link dependent disease uh, as well when we talk about peripheral neuropathy. The reason why we wanted to put one of these together is we just recently saw a, a research article said that if you're diabetic, you will have, um, you will develop neuropathy at some point in your lifetime. So if you're in your 40s, and this is what I love, it was 40% chance of developing peripheral neuropathy or diabetic neuropathy. If you're in your 60s, it was closer to 60% chance that you're going to develop it, and it went up each decade of life. Um, so that brings us to diabetic and peripheral neuropathy, which, which we work together for almost yeah. 11 and years. That's, and that's one of the things that we see. So, you know, the neuropathy is one of the, it's one of the earlier signs um, it, because it's such a physical manifestation. Uh, so the the symptoms that the people typically present with that have the neuropathy are uh, burning, tingling, numbness in their hands and feet. Typically they'll start in their feet first and then it'll eventually progress to their hands. But this condition can become so uh, so painful and, and so limiting to the person's lifestyle that that's oftentimes the first time that we're seeing the patient as they're seeking out care because it can really make their life unmanageable. And it's a uh, it's an interesting condition because the, the symptoms can be, you can literally have both numbness and pain at the same time because of the way that the nerves are damaged. Uh, so a lot of times these folks will get to a neurologist and they'll diagnose them as having peripheral neuropathy, um, which they look at purely as a, uh, a damage to the nerve condition, a neurodegenerative condition, which it is. But we look at what is causing that that neurodegenerative condition, and that when it's in the, in the case of diabetics, that goes back to that impaired blood flow because the blood sugar is too high, it increases the viscosity of the blood, it slows down that peripheral circulation, and those nerves in the hands and feet, which are the furthest away from the heart, are not getting the blood flow that they need to survive, so they're not getting oxygen, they're not getting nutrients, they're not pushing waste products out, and so those nerves just start to degenerate further and further back. And like you said, it's a length dependent disease in, in two ways. One, it affects the length of the nerves. So it, it actually works from distal to proximal. So you'll start at your fingertips and then go back. You'll start at your toes and go back, but also length dependent in a temporal nature, meaning a time nature, the longer it goes on, the more and more damage that, that you have. You know, absolutely. And the, we see a lot of our patients our average patient is about 65 years old. They're female, uh, type 2 diabetic, and they are come to us, and they're starting to notice their balance is, is going. And we've seen through the research that 60% of your balance comes from your feet, specifically those small sensory nerves that are both uh, protective and give us some pleasure. Um, so I'll chat a little bit about you know the nervous system uh, even though this is a nerve issue, this is really an underlying blood flow issue that you were touching on. But, you know, if you look at the nerves, and I always use this analogy with our patients, that our body's like a tree. And the brain, brainstem spinal cord, is the trunk of the tree. And you have peripheral nerves that branch off of that spinal cord. And those are like the large branches of the tree. 
And what we're working on specifically in our clinics and what we're seeing are the small sensory nerves, which are the distal most aspect of those nerves, but those are the leaves of the tree. And we are really focusing on those small C fibers or small sensory nerves. And they're so important because they give us pleasure. They protect us. Doc, chat a little bit about that. Well, I think the, the tree thing is an excellent analogy. Um, for one big reason, uh, a lot of folks will go to their, their primary care doctor or the neurologist and they'll tell them, oh, you know, once a nerve is damaged, it doesn't, it doesn't regrow. Uh, or a lot of folks have, have that in their head that if a nerve's damaged, it doesn't regrow. And I think the tree analogy spells that out perfectly. You know, if I come by with a chainsaw and I cut down the trunk of that tree, that tree was never gonna grow back in, in either of our lifetimes. Because it's, because it's too damaged. And that would be analogous to um, like a paralyzing injury. Someone jumps into a pool, breaks, you know, hurts their spinal cord. That is not gonna come back. And that's true. And if I take, a, if I take my hand and, and sever a nerve off there, that's not gonna grow back either. Same thing if you cut a big branch off a tree, it might take 100 years to regrow. But if I go by and I rip some of the leaves off the tree, those can be back within six months to a year. Um, and that's the same with the, with the peripheral nerves in the body. If someone falls off their bike and they scrape up their arm and they've got a big scab there, that scab, all those nerves underneath that scab in the skin are damaged. You won't have a lot of feeling over that scab. But as that area heals, those nerves start to regrow. And so those are the ones that we're dealing with in diabetics. However, in, diabet in diabetics, they have this, that chronic high blood pressure. So those nerves are getting damaged just as fast as they're getting rebuilt if the patient isn't doing the right things in order to get their blood sugar down and then consistently rebuild those nerves at a faster rate than they're being destroyed. And so that's one of the big things we work with in patients is setting up a scenario whereby they're not destroying their nerves faster than they're rebuilding them. I think that's the key. That, that's a great, great way to put it. And, and also the large branches which have a protective coating around them, which is a myelin sheath, which is about 70% fat and cholesterol. So they're very protected. People with MS, they lose that protective coating around that, uh, that myelin sheath. Um, but the smaller sensory nerves under, just underneath the surface of our skin, those are naked. So they are unmyelinated. They're not protected and they're much more uh, sensitive to changes in that environment. So uh, say like a chemo patient uh, that has uh, chemo-induced peripheral neuropathy, those, those small sensory nerves are affected. Um, people that have been on statin drugs, we've seen them um, almost activate or hypersensitize those nerves. And we can talk about that in a little bit. And, and then obviously the, the blood glucose levels and, and what that can do. I think the, the important distinction to make, when it comes to those those small sensory nerves, there's no, there's no blood vessel that goes to that nerve and feeds it. The way that those small sensory nerves get their oxygen and nutrients and disperse their waste products is through the blood that surrounds them. So if you think about the nerve sort of ending and, and projecting out as, as these little nerve endings, they sit, they, they basically bathe in this blood. And so you need, that, you need that blood flow sort of whooshing over those nerves to get the waste products out and bring fresh blood flow there. So those nerves are susceptible to anything in that environment, in that blood. So like you mentioned chemo. Well, the chemotherapy 
goes in and kills the cancer cells, but it also kills everything around it. It creates a toxic environment. That's why folks lose their hair, but it creates a toxic environment for those nerves. So we do see a lot of um, folks that are currently doing chemo or even after the chemo has stopped, they come in and actually peripheral neuropathy and the pain associated with it is, is the top reason that someone will stop doing chemotherapy because they can't deal with the, the pain and symptoms associated with the neuropathy. Yep. So those nerves are susceptible to anything that's in that blood environment. So if the blood sugar is high, if they're, you know, if they're drinking nothing but Coca-Cola and smoking and whiskey, and it's everything just creates a toxic environment for those nerves. Um, and so that's the things that we have to evaluate to see, okay, what are the factors that are damaging these nerves? What lifestyle uh, changes can we implement in order to, to stop that active damage? And then what can actually be done to treat those nerves because the way that it's being treated in most of the medical system that I see with my colleagues day in and day out is they give them medications to block the nerves. Gabapentin, Neurotin, Lyrica, um, Cymbalta, and most of these are anti-seizure drugs and what they do is they, they numb the sensitivity of the drugs so that the patient isn't getting the sensation to their brain from those damaged nerves but they do nothing at all to help rebuild the nerves or to restore the nerves. So what happens is, no, it doesn't stop the progression and, and those, the body quickly attenuates to those drugs. So you need to, if you're initially on 600 milligrams of gabapentin, by a year later you're on 1200 milligrams, eventually you're maxed out and then you really get down a slippery slope getting into the opioid medications uh, you know, Oxycontin and things like that to deal with the serious pain. And all the while, those nerves have just been getting more and more damaged because oftentimes in the medical system, they don't understand that there is effective treatments for peripheral neuropathy. There's things that can be done in a, a multi-pronged approach to address the diabetes, to address the lifestyle factors, and to effectively address the damage that's been caused to the nerves and cause those nerves to actually start to regrow. And that's something that you and I have worked on for a decade now. Right, and, and one of the things that I hear so many times in our office is doctors will say, there's nothing that can be done. Your nerves are dead. Uh, you'll have to live with it the rest of your life. And through our training through Neuropathy Treatment Centers of America, we were lucky enough to find a great protocol that really now changes the way doctors communicate about this. We talked about, we have a documentary coming out, the, the truth about peripheral neuropathy, and the, the, the real secret behind it is, we talked about all these nerve drugs, all these different things, is the truth is really, it's an ischemic issue. And if you can change the environment and improve that blood flow to those uh, targeted spots, then we can actually create a better environment for these small sensory nerves to rehabilitate and uh, get stronger. And over time, uh, they, the, the patient has less symptoms. And, 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 and the beautiful thing about it is we've got a great white paper and any of our listeners uh, can text us or email us and we will send that out to them. But in, in, in 2017, Dr. Dunn was part of this. It was part of our clinic. Uh, but we had 152 patients, type 2 diabetics, that came through our clinic. And some really interesting points were they, uh, they were, had a VAS score or a pain level of 8, with 0 being no pain, 10 being unbearable pain. 
um, and they were living in a constant state of pain eight. And um, they also had lost their balance and they were, you know, this is like Chinese water torture. They were, they were just, it was debilitating. And no one really understands their pain. Uh, we've, we've met so many thousands of patients that we've started to really get an understanding of how, how, how tough yeah. this can be on them. And I think that, you know, I want to bring up the, the balance that you talked about, because I don't think that we, we, we hit on that enough. The balance is, is such a big issue for, for these folks, um, you know, for older individuals in general, but especially folks suffer, suffering from peripheral neuropathy and, and diabetes. And the reason for that is, you know, you, you get your balance from your eyes, your inner ears, and also your feet. So if you close your eyes, so you're taking out that visual stimulus, and, and you stand real still, you'll notice you'll start to sway forward and backwards. But as you start to sway forward, your feet and ankle are, are feeding data up to your brain to say, hey, don't keep going, you're gonna fall on your face. You need to put pressure and go, and go backwards. Um, as you lose those nerve fibers, that sensitivity in the feet, you no longer get that protective mechanism of the feet and ankles telling the brain where you're at in space. So these folks become much more prone to, to taking falls and they're at an age where they've developed osteoporosis and they're, they're prone to hip fractures and things like that. So what's been so interesting really over the last 10 years is to see that you know, we've made such strides in, in other diseases that my patients aren't dying of, of heart attacks anymore we, we've, we've kind of figured that out. We've got all these great surgeries for that. My patients are dying of falls. You know, they're, they're, they're falling down the stairs, they're breaking their hips, they're getting a, you know, they go into the hospital and they get an infection and they never come out. And it's such a, it's such a common thing. And, and, you know, especially if someone's a widow or a widower, that is their ability to live independently. That's their, that's their freedom and not being able to go, not having to go into a nursing home because if they're falling all the time and, you know, I can't tell you how many patients over the years have come in, you know, 70 years old and they're saying, oh, I took a, I took a fall, but uh, I don't, I don't want to tell my kids because they're going to put me in a nursing home, you know, and, and the reason that they're taking those falls is because they can't feel their feet. And that's the reason they take those small little shuffly steps, the little old people, um, you know. And this is a thing, important thing to understand with the fall part is 10% of people over 65 will fall this year. And the number, what is, what's the stat, Dr. Dunn? It's, it has it now become the leading cause of injury death in people over 65 is the fall. It's the number, number one cause of, of preventable injury death is, is falls. And so, you know, we can talk a little bit about our protocol. We, you know, we've talked about how modern medicine is handling this. Um, you know, we've, I, I, I read at one of my seminars, a, it's a Dear Doctor, uh, like, you know, the old Dear Abby uh, columns. And there's this one that a, a patient, her name was KJ, she wrote into, um, uh, Cornell has like, you can write in and ask. And, and this one doctor, Dr. Roach, uh, Keith Roach, he, uh, she, she, called, she wrote in and she said she was 65 years old. She'd been suffering from diabetes for three years. She was in severe pain. She had arthritis. Uh, she had uh, peripheral neuropathy. She basically said over a 30-day period, she only had really two good days a month. And she didn't know why. And, and neither did her medical doctor or podiatrist. Um, she was taking 
300, or I'm sorry, 400 milligrams gabapentin three times a day, which is 1,200. Once you get at that 1,200 mark, the, the neurologist will sometimes take your driver's license away. And she was also taking Metanex. Um, Do you know what that is, Doc? Yeah, Metanex is a, a vitamin, I think it's like a B supplement. So cr chronic diabetes and neuropathy, it's pharmaceutical grade B. Yeah, and she was taking... Um, it was basically four times a day, this Metanex, and the pharmaceutical company recommends you take it for 12 months to 18 months before you know if you're gonna get some benefits. And her co-payment alone was $200 a month. So out of her pocket, she was looking at bottom line $2,400 for that first year and up to $3,600. So, you know, she's like, I'm at my wit's end. Um, pain has driven me into a deep depression, foot pain 24 seven has left me no life. And we hear this every week at, at the clinics across the country that we work with. Um, his response was pretty you know, standard of care. It was, um, first off, he goes, maybe you're not on enough gabapentin. Maybe you need to be at 900 milligrams three times a day, which is at 2,700 milligrams. Now you definitely can't be driving or operating heavy machinery. No, and at those dosages, uh, a lot of the patients will start to have memory problems, personality changes, all these things. You know, when, and when I bring that up to them, I say, have you noticed any uh, recent changes in your, in your memory or, you know, in your personality? And if, if their spouse is in the, because sometimes you don't have an old guy and they're real stoic, but if their spouse is in the room with them, they're like shaking their head furiously. Yes, yes, his personality's different. He, you know, he can't remember anything. And this has all started since, you know, these medications. Oh, it was the, the way Dr. Uh, Roach finished up his recommendations was you may benefit from going into pain management. And this is, this is the, the option. We see a lot of our spouses, our parents and grandparents that get funneled into pain management. And now they get even in the stronger medications like Percocex, oxycodones. I mean, we have an upcoming um, talk and a podcast on the opioid epidemic. You, you know how that is uh, hurting America. And we've lost more Americans uh, than who were killed in car accidents last year. So over a thousand people a week are passing away from this. So they're, they're shuffling them into this. And, you know, I've been doing this tour for the last two years around the Southeast and speaking to different patients. And one of the things that I'm hearing from them, if I had a nickel for every grandmother that came up to me and said she was on hydrocodone, oxycodone, morphine, methadone, methadone, I mean, this is what they're, they're funneling to because they've used everything before. Um, and, you know, I, I hate to see it because they're, they're just treating the symptoms. They're not really getting to the cause. Um, we, we, we talked about this earlier in the week, Doc, this company, um, Alamlin, that yes, has, somebody had sent it to us, and and they were kind of saying like, "Oh, this is a huge, this is a major breakthrough, this is a huge deal." And then I, I started reading it further, and it's a new drug that the FDA has approved for a very small subset of a, a genetic type of neuropathy. So not the kind of type, not the kind of diabetic types that we're talking about, but something you're born with. And they've they've come up with this way to modify the proteins and such. But then I looked at the the uh, the pricing on it. It's four hundred and fifty thousand dollars per year for this medication. Yeah. Well, good. The good news is this: um, it does come on with a discount coupon, so you can get it down to closer to three hundred and forty-five thousand dollars. Okay. Well, yeah, no problem. I mean that that and that is the first FDA-approved drug to treat 
a form of peripheral neuropathy. And, yeah. and as you said, it was a genetic one, which is rare. You said, I think only- There's only about 50,000 people in the world that, that have it. So it's, you know, it's great that there's research being done on it, but, you know, in, in that case, yes, they need to, you're not going to change the person's genetics, so they need to treat, you know, treat it that way. But when you've got something like, like neuropathy caused by diabetes, it's, you know, the, the fix is a lifestyle fix. It's, it's get your act together in terms of your diet and nutrition exercise, and then let us fix the nerves and you're off to the races. Which I think brings us to, you know, what has made our clinic so successful. Um, number one, we, we have the Toronto clinical scoring test, which a lot of people don't know, but it should probably become the standard of care for all diabetics and uh, to get a baseline. Uh, and anybody that starts chemotherapy, it's important that they should have it. And we used it uh, when my wife uh, went through her, uh, she was type three breast cancer, October 1st, 2014. We had two baselines on her prior, but typically, literally after her second chemo visit, and she's diabetic, um, her, she developed neuropathy so bad, she could not button her clothes. She couldn't pick up metal objects. Her hands were so sensitive. Her feet blew up like little watermelons. And, you know, we were lucky enough to already have our protocol in place, but it's not rocket science what we did. We are using low-level light therapy and polychromatic lights, which, you know, allows an improvement in blood flow to the targeted area. And I've seen research that shows it's 150 to 200% more blood flow getting to that area that we target. We put these pads directly on the areas that were being affected, the hands and the feet. And it's, it's just a beautiful thing to watch patients get better over that five week period. And that's really what our white paper, our overview study um, documented is that these patients over a five week period with as little as 15 visits, were able to make huge changes, 20% improvements um, with their sensory feeling in their feet, their balance improved, and the coolest thing is we were able to cut their pain from an eight down to a 3.5. Which is, it's a huge deal for someone that's been suffering with an eight. I mean, a three is such a, a respite from that, you know, from that pain. But I think you touched on a great point, and that's the reason our protocol is so effective is because we're looking at we're looking at all the factors involved with it. So like I talked about a lot, the, the lifestyle factors, the nutrition, the exercise, all of that, we're, we're addressing that. Because if I have a patient come in that's still has a really high A1C level and is actively damaging their nerves, they're much harder to treat. So we're gonna talk with them on that level. Uh, we're gonna look at the, the blood flow component and we treat that with the monochromatic light therapy, the laser therapy, a lot of things to address the blood flow. So what I tell my patients is you've got a blood flow issue that's causing a nerve destruction issue. We're going to first address the blood flow issue. We're gonna help drive fresh blood to that area, to the epidermis right underneath the skin to help nourish those nerves. And then we're gonna do everything in our power to stimulate those nerves once we've created a healthy environment that they're able to thrive in, we're going to do everything we can to stimulate those nerves to actually start to sprout back up and regrow. And we've got various forms of vibration therapy, um, balance therapy, where you're, you're looking at a screen and using your eyes and, and ankles to move a dot around um, to help rebuild that pathway from the brain down to the feet. 
Um, so everything that we do is, is, is safe. It's mostly non-pharmaceutical. There is some shots that we do into the ankles, which help increase the blood flow down there as well, but it's a tiny little needle. Um, and typically patients will only do like 12 of those shots and then they'll continue on with the, the other modalities. Um, but the, the treatment is super uh, comfortable. They lay back in this nice recliner chair. They get pads set on there. They can read a magazine. They can take a nap. Um, it's, so it's, it's nothing that's, that's, that's painful. And oftentimes we're able to see them over time start to come off of all that medication that they were on and actually get their life back, get their memory back, get their personality back, and, and able to see improvements in their balance, in their pain scores, and just in their overall quality of life. Well, you know, and that, that touches on a perfect, you know, what are the, the, the top three or four things that we see that patients come in? 72% are diabetics into our clinic, right? Type 2 diabetics, which we touched on earlier. 44% have been on a statin medication or a cholesterol-lowering medication for more than six months. And we'll have a whole podcast and episode on statins. Yeah, we could we could discuss that for an hour just on the, the damage that the those drugs do and how it fits into this whole thing. But fifteen percent have had at least one back surgery or spinal surgery. Twelve sure. percent of our patients here in Atlanta are uh, chemo induced peripheral neuropathy. And then there's a smaller percentage, maybe five percent, that is genetic or hereditary. And those are the biggest things. We, it, it, it's funny, Dr. Dunn, what we've seen more referrals in our Atlanta clinic the last two years from oncologists and endocrinologists now. And because over nine, 10 years of doing this here in Atlanta area, and thank you again for helping us start this whole program here, but we, we now have seen almost like a grassroots. Every patient we've treated, we say, listen, we'll work with you. And we've set their goals for four to five weeks and we ask them, we say, listen, if we get to these three or four goals and you're able to walk better and you're sleeping better and your balance is better and you have less pain, will you do me a favor? And they always say, yes, yeah, sure, because they don't think that they're going to be fixed. I said, will you go back to your neurologist or your endocrinologist or your oncologist and tell them what has happened? And this is really how we're getting more of our new patients from medical referrals. And, and, and it's taken us, you know, a decade to do it. The sad, yeah, the sad part is it's taken a decade for it to really, to, but. Um, that's the thing that's just the most rewarding. I mean, I've been in healthcare almost 25 years now, and literally the last 10 years have given these patients a, a little, an, an oasis of relief. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to keep this a secret anymore. This is one of the reasons why we're having guests like you, Dr. Dunn, come on and talk to us and share your expertise because we want more people to find this. And I think you deserve a, a, a commendation on, you know, sort of being on the forefront of all of this over all these years and, and consistently uh, adopting, you know, new technologies and things like that with the, with the Allcore 360 and with the, uh, with the STEM wave. Um, so, you know, I've been out of the city for a, a couple of years and doing some things in Seattle and Mexico, but you've just been plugging away in Atlanta and <laughs> making a difference for these patients. So I think you'd uh, deserve an applause for that. Thank you. You always keep me grounded. Um, well, I, I mean, thanks again, Doc, for being on our, uh, our, our first ever podcast here. For Absolutely. Thanks for having me. The Duro Show and uh, one of my favorite people in the world and uh, patients out there that want to get help either in Mexico. Seattle. We, we have a great network of doctors that we're working with, but specifically here in Atlanta, we have a, a couple different numbers. It's 
285-7246. That's 770-ATL-PAIN. And we also have an 855 number with that ATL-PAIN. And, you know, you can call in. And we have wonderful specials going on right now where patients can come in and get that baseline screening. They can also get a pseudomotor scan that gives us an idea how they're parasympathetic and sympathetic systems working as well as blood flow and circulation to the distal extremities. And then the balance assessment to see if they're at a risk for a fall and Toronto, which will give that baseline study. So, or they can go to drmattdeduro.com. Dr. Dunn, thanks again. I really appreciate it. And uh, have a great day. Thank you.